let's pray and then um and then we'll get into it. So Father, I thank you for your words and I thank you uh for this opportunity to open it. Um I thank you that we have this opportunity to gather on a Wednesday evening, Lord. And Father, you desire to speak to us. To each and every one of us, you desire to speak to us. You're God who reveals himself, who, who desires to be in relationship with his people. So Father, I pray that you would do that today. That you would speak clearly to each and every one of us as we open your word. That it would literally come alive. And that we would leave here changed people, different people Father, it's for your glory and your name. May you bless this time. Amen. Today we're going to be uh, looking at the last chapter of Luke. Um, We're going to be looking right at the end of Luke. Um, And there's this one thing that I want you to to keep in mind as as we go through this chapter. this last chapter uh, and it's simply this question who or what have you set your hope upon Um, and before I forget if anybody needs a Bible please uh, raise their hand um, and we'll get one to you Um, so yeah please take one if you don't have one already um, just so that you can tell um, (laughs) that I'm not making any of this stuff up (laughs) but um, yeah, who have you set your hope upon? Uh, and I was just thinking about it the other day. Uh, in, in 2008, one of my all-time favourite films was released, The Dark Knight. It is Christopher Nolan's second of his Batman trilogy. Uh, bear me two seconds, bear me two seconds. I know you're all wondering... Uh, how long was it going to be till Daniel got Batman into a sermon and it didn't take me very long. But bear me two seconds. Let me explain. In, in this film, uh, we have, uh, there are three main characters who come together. Uh, three main characters. We have uh, uh, Lieutenant Gordon, so um, a police detective. We have uh, District Attorney Harvey Dent and we have Batman. Uh, and these three guys meet together on on the top of a building and they have this meeting uh, with the desire of working together, aligning themselves together for a common cause, which is to ultimately to end crime in Gotham. Gotham is corrupt and riddled with crime and they've come together and the linchpin of their plan rests on... District Attorney Harvey Dent. He is, they place their hope in him. And we see that the, we see that the people, we see that as the film goes on that the people of Gotham put their hope in Harvey Dent. This guy who is promising to bring an end to crime and he is known as Gotham's white knight. You see the people put their hope in him to bring peace. The, the detective puts his hope in him to end crime legitimately and to end corruption. And Batman ultimately puts his hope in him to end crime so that he no longer has to be Batman. They all place their hope 
in him. They, they bet it all on him. And then as you see, as the film goes along, we then begin to see slowly how Gotham's white knight, how Harvey Dent begins to slowly but surely unravel. He is torn down. He is brought down bit by bit to, to that point where he is what was once their shining knight, eventually due to circumstances and being, being, having suffered great loss, both physically, being physically scarred uh, and losing somebody. He then becomes uh, a villain. Uh, and the film ends with Harvey Dent defeated. Ultimately, he becomes a villain. He goes on this rampage, but he's then ultimately defeated. And these three characters once again meet. <laughs> but this time, Harvey Dent, his marred and scarred body, is lying on the floor dead. And here, Gordon and Batman stand over his body. Uh, and Gordon says... To Batman, he says this, whatever chance you gave us of fixing our city dies with Harvey's reputation. We bet it all on him. The Joker took the best of us and tore him down. People will lose hope. Here at the end of the film, we see that their hope was misplaced. They see at the end of this film that... that Harvey was just an imperfect saviour. He was not good enough, he was not strong enough to save them. Once a pastor said this, it's not the sincerity of your faith that saves you, it's the object of your faith that saves you. It is not merely just having hope or faith, but it is about who we place that hope and faith in. Here we see that Batman and Gordon, and it's a, you know, it's a bit of a silly illustration, but I'm, you know, I always love Batman, so. But it brings home just how we can put all our hopes on something, all our faith in something. And this is the problem. Unless it is Jesus, it will always let us down. Unless it is Jesus, it will always let us down. Jesus is the only one for whom we can and should truly put our hope and faith in. Coming back to that idea of it's not just about having faith, it's about what your faith is in. Last week when we were at U-Turn, uh, one of the guys sat down on a chair, just like a white garden chair. He had all faith that it would hold him, right? He had faith in the chair, as most of us do. When we see a chair, we sit down. We have faith that the chair will hold us. Five minutes later, one of the legs breaks, followed by the other leg breaking shortly after, and he's fallen on the floor in a complete heap. It doesn't matter how much, how strong his faith in was in that chair. That chair was not strong enough to hold him. That chair ultimately let him down. But what is the answer? If we turn briefly to Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. Romans 10 verse 11. 
And Paul, writing to the Romans, says this, chapter 10, verse 11, For the scriptures say, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Here Paul is saying, he's like, look, anybody who puts their trust, their faith in Jesus will never be put to shame. That faith in Jesus is, <laughs> will never be a misplaced faith. Jesus will never let us down. And today I want to focus on the last chapter of Luke. Because here we're going to see two men and they're, they're on a road. They're on a journey somewhere. Uh, but here they, and as we kind of read through the text, we see that they seem to have lost their hope. There are moments where on the surface it looks like all hope is lost. It looks like... <laughs> where that there is no hope. It looks like God's left us or abandoned us, but the truth is God has never left us. He's right there with us, and he is at work, and he has a plan. Our place, in, when we place our hope and trust in God, it is never misplaced. So turn with me please to Luke chapter 24, going from verse 13, and we'll begin to go through this bit by bit. So Luke chapter 24, starting from verse 13. It says this. Now behold, two of them were travelling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So here we have two men, and they're on their way, they're going out, they're going from Jerusalem, they're on their way to Emmaus, and they're talking about what has happened. Uh, And this, at this point, this is, this is straight after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has come, he's died on a cross, he has risen again. And this is where we find these two men. These two men are on their journey. I want you to bear in mind, all that they know, all these two men know is this, that Jesus has died. This Jesus that they have been following, this Jesus that they have been looking to, this Jesus was crucified. And then the only other bit of information they know is that some of the disciples came to his tomb and they found it empty. So bear those two things in mind. Jesus has died. This is all they know. Jesus has died and his body is missing. And then this is, he goes on from there, and this is what it says. So verse 14, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And in verse 15, so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Here Jesus shows up. He meets with these people. But there's a, there's a key thing to remember. They don't know it's Jesus. Their eyes, are, their eyes have been closed. They do not recognize that it is, this is Jesus. Jesus comes alongside them, but they do not recognize him. Jesus is there with them. He is present with them, even though they can't see it. 
And there are moments in our lives where, where we can't see it, but Jesus is present with us. I love how it's such a practical image of this. Jesus is right there with them. He's physically there, physically talking to them. They just can't see it. And this is what happens. It goes on verse 17. And he said to them, this is Jesus, so Jesus says to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Here we see these two men and their their hopes are dashed. We see these these two men that they are they are sad. This Jesus that they that they followed has has died. If only they knew who they were speaking to. Here they are sad and they are mourning the fact that that Jesus, this one that they followed, has died. If only they knew. If on the surface it seems like all hope is lost, if only they realised who they were speaking to. It may look like all is lost, but for those in Christ, God is at work. He has a plan And we also see from that section when in verse 18, whose name, then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? As we kind of, it's only kind of a side point as we go through this. What happened to Jesus was public. It wasn't a private thing. His death, people knew about it. The whole of Jerusalem knew that this Jesus had died. Word was spreading. This was a literal event. Jesus literally died. And then he literally rose again and appeared to people. There were witnesses. And then it goes on. Verse 21 They say this, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Jesus was right in front of them. (laughs) Their Redeemer was right there with him. Right there in front of them. They were looking right at the very thing they were hoping for. (laughs) The very thing for which they were hoping for was right in front of them, this Jesus. Um, and I don't think, uh, just uh, make a side point, as another side point, I don't think it's really mentioned in, in perhaps this part of the text and what they say, but in other parts we do see how some, uh, some of the disciples and some of the people who followed Jesus, they were, they were looking for a redeemer. 
But so often we see that they were looking for a physical redeemer. A redeemer who would set them free from a physical occupier. From, a, from being physically oppressed by, by the Romans at the time. But Jesus had a bigger and a greater plan. His plan was not just to physically set people free. His plan was to set people free, to redeem people from a spiritual oppressor, from a spiritual occupier. So that it means wherever, no matter what physical circumstance, and this is so much better because it means that no matter what physical circumstance you're in, if you're in Christ, you are always free. Think about Paul. Think about the letters that we've been reading through the last few weeks. How many of those letters were written by Paul when he was in prison? <laughs> I think about um, a few months ago when um, um, I've been, had the privilege a couple of times to go to a women's prison with, with PT and a few of the other guys here. And being able to see the, these women who have committed crimes and, and they're in prison for the crimes that they commit. But if they give their life to Jesus, though they will still be in bars, although they will still physically be imprisoned, they will be spiritually set free. And then, this is how Jesus responds to what the gentleman says, what Cleopas says. So this is what Jesus says in 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Here, Jesus like, look, look, Jesus had a better plan. And so often that is so true for us. We, there are things for which we desire, and sometimes those things aren't even wrong to desire them. But God often has a better plan. <laughs> And just as we kind of touched on this, a lot of the people were looking to be physically, looking for somebody to rally against the Romans. But they didn't realize that what Jesus was doing by being crucified was much greater because he was dying for the sins of the people. He was dying for our sins. He was not just affecting the here and now, but he was affecting our eternal destination what jesus had was to do was had eternal significance and then in 27 he says this jesus says this sorry in 27 the author luke then says this and beginning at moses and all the prophets he being jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself so think about it. here is jesus with these two men and and he's conversing with them and remember these two men don't know who this is they can't see that it's jesus and then jesus comes in and gives the bible study of a lifetime think about it. jesus is walking along and starting from moses and concerning all the prophets, he goes through the whole of scripture and he covers all the things that point to himself. So important to remember, as from the Old Testament, it all points to Jesus. It's all leading to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And here Jesus does this ultimate Bible study with him. He's like, man, starting from Moses, this, this is about me. This is about me. This is about me. This is about me. This is about the Redeemer. This is about the Saviour. This is about Jesus. But it's so important to remember 
Because, yeah, there's a big part of me who's like, I wish I was there. How awesome would that be? Just kind of, even just, you know, even just kind of, you know, when you're kind of walking down the street and there's, you know, a couple people in front of you and they're having a conversation uh, and you're kind of walking behind them and you can kind of hear the conversation. Imagine, you know, you know, I wouldn't have to be in the conversation, but just to be kind of in the vicinity to kind of hear Jesus explaining what's going on. And then I was reminded that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is still alive and Jesus still does one-on-one Bible studies with people. He just does it in a different way. This time, he does it through his Holy Spirit. So important to remember that as we open God's word, we're not just doing it on our own. That when we give our lives to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Think about Jesus living inside of us. And if we're willing to, if we just ask him, he's willing to teach us. Quickly turn with me to... John chapter 14, verse 26. And it, John here talks about just a bit about the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 14, verse 26, and this is what Jesus says. So John 14:26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Here, Jesus like, look, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. The Holy Spirit is there to teach us as well. And then John 16, verse 7. And this verse is so, so, so mind-blowing. Jesus says this, so in chapter 16, verse 7 of the same book, John. John 16, verse 7. Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. So here he says, look, I am telling you the truth. Listen to this. This is true. It is to your advantage that I go away. Think about it. Jesus is saying, look, Jesus is saying to his disciples in the upper room before he is to be crucified and then rise again and then ascended to heaven. Jesus comes to them and he says, look, this is for your benefit, for your advantage that I go I mean, come on, you would think, like, even us looking back and even at the disciples at the time, there must have been going through their mind being like, well, 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 what could be better than having Jesus physically here? What could be better than, what could be to my benefit more than having Jesus physically here? And this is what he says. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Here, Jesus is like, look, if I don't go away, you're not going to receive the Holy Spirit. And that is to your benefit. To receive the Holy Spirit is to your benefit, is to your advantage. That God would literally dwell within you. So that no matter where you go, he is with you. No matter where you are, he is with you. And this Holy Spirit is a gift which we receive simply as soon as we give our lives to him. As soon as we say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I want to follow you. He gives us his Holy Spirit. So that we are able to have one-on-one Bible studies with Jesus. That he is able to talk to us. And for me, this has kind of worked out over the last couple of years. For me, I found the, the best way of doing that, and it's not saying this is, this is kind of a way which helps me, it's not necessarily a way which helps everybody. 
when it comes to daily reading, my parents, for example, who have been such a great example for me. Because since I was born, well, I think since I was born, since I can remember, I would wake up at some point and, and they would just be reading their Bibles. Every morning I would see them reading their Bibles. That they would be, they would be diving into the Word. Uh, and for them, they find that the easiest, kind of the most helpful way is to use like daily notes. Um, to use kind of something which they're going through. Uh, and sometimes they go through it together. Or sometimes they do it, the same thing separately and then talk with each other. Um, and I always wrestled with that. I kind of went through when I was a kid trying to do daily notes and sometimes you would kind of, you'd get through them and then sometimes you'd get a couple of days behind and then you're struggling to catch up. Um, for me, what I found is just, um, is literally just opening the Bible and just going extremely slowly through it. Picking a book in the Bible and going really slowly through it. And as I start being like, Jesus, please teach me. Holy Spirit, please guide me as I read your word. And then just read through it. And kind of, I usually set my limit as a chapter, but usually I don't end up reading a chapter. Usually it's much less than that. <laughs> Depending on what kind of book it is. Some books are more narrative, so you kind of go through them a lot quicker. And some books are more doctrine, so it's, it takes you a lot longer to get through it. But I kind of just go through it, and I'm like, Jesus, teach me. And then there'll be things I come across which I understand. I'm like, okay, I'm holding on to this. And there'll be things which I come across which I don't understand. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is weird. I don't get what this means, but I trust you. I trust that when the time is right, you'll make it clear. I trust that if I don't understand it today, it's because it's not what you're trying to tell me today. I mean, there's so much God has to tell us. Man, it would completely overload us if he did it all in one go. But bit by bit, he's like, look, here's a little something. Meditate on this. Okay, now here's something else. Meditate on this. But what about this? Don't worry about that. One day you understand it. Focus on this. Because there are going to be some passages which take us years to figure out. There are going to be some passages which take us literally minutes. Uh, and there are going to be some things which maybe on this side of <laughs> eternity we're not going to understand. But hold on to what you do understand. Sometimes it's just the simplest of things, but the simplest of things are sometimes the most beautiful and the most precious. And the truth is, if we don't understand it in our heart, we may have heard it time and time and time and time and time and time again in our heads, but if it doesn't make its way to our hearts, it will never make its way out into action. So, be of good cheer. We, by the Holy Spirit, kind of intimate Bible studies with Jesus. And then let's continue on. We're just going to kind of bring this, finish off the chapter. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, this being Jesus. 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. 
and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. It's crazy to think that 2,000 years ago, Jesus broke bread and he drank the cup and he said, This is my body broken for you and this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And 2,000 years later, Christians across the world continue to do this in remembrance of him. Think about how crazy that is. I had a guy come back from work yesterday and he's been on, he's been on holiday to Rome of all places. I was like, oh, Rome, yeah, I should be going there in a few weeks. And he was like, he was just amazed at just the history of everything. And looking at the Colosseum and, and other buildings and he's like, and he was just like, man, I just, there was just such rich history to think that this stuff was built thousands and thousands of years ago. And it made me think of this, just to think of Think of Jesus. Thousands and thousands of years ago, Jesus walked on this earth. Thousands and thousands of years ago, something happened. Something so big. I mean, think about it. a carpenter who was in the public eye for three years, who died a horrible death, who in the age where there wasn't internet or telephones in, in Israel, you know, not a huge country, and yet this event happened which transformed the world to the point that we are still talking about it today. That across the world, this Jesus is still being proclaimed. And we'll, ca- we'll talk a bit more about that a bit later on as well. But continue to read on with me. Verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. And they were terrified and frightened and supposed They'd seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Then he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Here Jesus shows up and meets with them. And he's like, look, this is me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. I was crucified. Look at the nail marks. I was once dead, but I am now Alive, I have conquered the grave. And in verse 44, I said this. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opens their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Once again, Jesus is, <laughs> he's like, once again, he's putting back the fact, he's like, look, all that was written in the scriptures, it all points to me. It's all about me. And then he says this, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance 
and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Right now we are fulfilling that. Here he's saying that it's necessary for, for Jesus to die and rise again on the third day, that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It started in Jerusalem and now we find ourselves thousands and thousands of miles away and we are doing exactly what Jesus said would be done. His name is going forth, his name is being preached, and not just in this building right now, but across this country, not just across this country, across this continent, not just across this continent, but across this world. And then in 48 it says this, And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power, from on high and you are witnesses of these things it's so key that we remember this these disciples were eyewitnesses as we kind of look in the, as we go through the, kind of the rest of the New Testament we look in the book of Acts and, and, then, and also when we just look outside the Bible at kind of general kind of church history we see that many of these disciples many of these people who saw Jesus It cost them their lives. We see how the church was built on people who were willing to die for this truth. They were so convinced of this that they were willing to die. And here's my question. Here's my thought when I wonder this. I'm like, surely, surely, right? Let's, Let's say, for example, hypothetically speaking, if Jesus had died and he had never risen again, and his disciples were to go out, and they were like, okay, let's somehow, let's make up this thing. Let's make up something that he rose again. And then they try and, and they go and spread the word, right? At what point when you're kind of before execution, surely, surely you would be like, okay, we made it up. It was a lie, okay? Please don't kill me, right? I mean, you would be crazy if you were lying to go to death. You would be crazy not to be actually, okay, actually, well, hold up, hold up. We made that stuff up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But for them to say that Jesus had risen again, it was no earthly gain to them. They weren't going to gain riches from it. They were going to gain persecution from it. It's so key we remember this. These guys didn't make it up because it was true. They were willing to die for it because they saw a risen Lord Jesus. Think about it, these fishermen, these, these ordinary people like you and me laid down their lives, they sacrificed their lives to spread this good news because it was true, because they had seen this risen Lord Jesus. And I was talking to um, somebody last week who's, a, um, who's recently given her life to Jesus. And we're kind of talking about this idea, and I was, I was sort of saying to her, this idea of, look, something happened 2,000 years ago. Something. I mean, come on. Could you imagine people in 2,000 years' time talking about us? Like, what would we have to do in order for people 2,000 years later to talk about us? I'm like, something happened. And what happened was Jesus died on the cross and he rose again for our sins. He paid the punishment for our sins. But as, as Jesus says here, that they're the witnesses. They saw this risen Lord Jesus. They were witnesses that Jesus was alive. I was, I was saying to her today, you are a witness. 
that Jesus is alive. Because the fact is that this same Jesus continues to change people's lives. Daily, people continue to meet a risen Lord Jesus. And I was saying to us, like, look, you've met Jesus <laughs> and he's changing you. That in and of itself is a testimony. That in and of itself is a witness that this Jesus is alive and he is still at work and his name is still being proclaimed. And then the author of this book, Luke, finishes with this. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. That's how Luke ends his gospel account. Here we see these people meet a risen Lord Jesus and their response is one of worship. Their response is one of joy. And their response is they just want to be in his presence, to be with his people. This Jesus has come. He's changed their lives. If only, (laughs) as we kind of backtrack to those two men who were on the road to Emmaus. As they were kind of in the middle of it, they couldn't see what God was doing. Their eyes were kind of, their eyes were blinded. Their vision was limited. But God was at work. God was there with them. God was doing something amazing. And it is the same for us. There are going to be moments when our vision is limited. There are going to be moments where we can't see the whole picture but God does and there's going to be a day when God shows up and it becomes clear it's going to be a day when our eyes will be open and we see it and sometimes we get that sometimes it happens to us while we're here you know an event happens and a couple years later you look back and then you're like wow Jesus was doing this okay I see what Jesus was doing it's a bit like Joseph I always I love Joseph always referring back to him at the end In Genesis 50, how he looks back at his life and he says to his brothers, you meant this for sin against me, you meant this for evil against me, but God meant it for good. He could look back and be like, God was at work, God was using this. And we know for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, God works all things. God works all things to his glory, but also for our good. And here we see Jesus at work. There'll be moments when we, like those guys that are amazed, we can't fully see but have faith. Our hope and our faith in Jesus, we will not be put to shame. The circumstances around us may seem grim. They may seem that everything is against us. But take heart. Because just like the guys from Amaze, our vision is just limited. <laughs> and take heart because Jesus is right there with you. Jesus has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. You may not be able to see him, but he, just as Jesus was with these guys, he's there with you. Take heart. Put your faith, your trust in Jesus, because everything else, everything else you put your trust and your faith in will not be strong enough, will not be strong enough to bear it. Only Jesus can. Let's pray together.
Father, I thank you that you died on a cross. And, and when you died, it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise to you. You wasn't taken off guard. You wasn't forced to. You chose to go to a cross. It was part of your greater plan. And just like the disciples, there are moments where we can't see the whole picture. But think about that. That moment where they felt their greatest defeat was actually the moment of greatest victory. When you conquered our sin, where you bore our sin on that cross, and then you rose again and offer us new life. When we put our faith and our trust in you, Jesus, we will never be put to shame. Forgive us for the times where we put our trust and our hope in anything else. For things which cannot sustain us. Holy Spirit, enable us to get our hope, our faith, our trust back where it should belong. Back on you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.